What's up, Managing Madrid Podcast listeners? This is Kian Sobani. What you're about to listen to or watch, depending on what platform you're consuming the content on, is a clip from the mailbag, the world-famous Real Madrid Managing Madrid mailbag that goes up once a week exclusively over on patreon.com slash managingmadrid. This clip is about a couple things. One uh, question that came in was, why did Real Madrid defend Zidane publicly but not Vinicius? We answered that. The second question is the decision uh, of letting Militao continue after his head injury against Valencia. We discussed whether that should have happened or not. The full episode touched on topics like what is our biggest concern about Real Madrid's form, my monologue on why Eduardo Camavinga at left back is in fact football terrorism, scientific explanation of that, Uh, some Coaching options after Carlo Ancelotti leaves the club long-term. Our gala five for a penalty shootout. Uh, some transfer names. Marcus Turam, Firmino, Tillemans, Lamer from Leipzig. We discussed those four because someone asked us about it. Antonio Blanco, his failed stint at Cadiz. All that and more over on patreon.com slash We also did the Valencia post-game show the night of the semifinal after the game concluded. So some people ask us, like, you know, why aren't you guys active for every game? Oh, we are. We are. If we were any more active, our heads would explode. If you didn't see the content, it just means you're not a patron. So not everything gets posted for free. If you want to join a Real Madrid community and you get a ton of value in return, you get to partake in some great dialogue with other Madridistas around the world and get access to those shows. Uh, the Valencia postgame show did, in fact, go over on patreon.com slash Madrid. So enjoy today's clip, and just a housekeeping note. Uh, housekeeping note: We'll be back on Sunday after the game. There's a classical. Apparently, we'll do the post game show. Matt and I are planning on recording a post game show for that. Uh, and if you're interested in preview content, we won't have time to do it on Managing Madrid. But Diego Lorin and I are doing a preview uh, on Churros y Tacticas, our other podcasts on this network. So enjoy the clip. Thanks for listening. And let's go. Uh, McGeeboy says, unpopular position here, but why did Realm just feel the need to release an official statement on Grayet's comments on, the, on Zidane? Is it Grayet? Grayet? I should, I should know this. Yeah, Le Grayet, yeah. Le Grayet. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. I, might, I need to polish up on my Quebecois. <laughs> Zidane is not a current Real Madrid employee and the matter is entirely a French football matter. Juventus did not release a statement. It took the club almost 48 hours to release a statement after the journalist's monkey comments to Vinicius last year. Yet we jumped into a matter that isn't remotely our business. I get the point and I somewhat agree with it a little bit. But on the other hand, I think it was <clears throat> Florentino trying, Florentino and the club trying to make peace with Zidane after how things went uh, with his departure, you know, and the fact that he released a statement, kind of criticizing the club and the and the board for for their public instances and their leaks to the press about the whole situation. So I think that the relationship has getting has been getting better over the last few months. The fact that. Zidane was at the Bernabe with Modric to hand the Ballon d'Or to Benzema was was great and uh, I think that this was also Florentino and Real Madrid trying to 
yeah, make peace and have a, a very good relationship with a, one of the biggest club legends you can find in football history. So while I get the point that this is not a straight and direct Real Madrid's business, I, I get why Real Madrid did it. And I can also agree with the fact that they did it. There's another element to this too. <clears throat> I, I mean, first of all, I have zero problems with Real Madrid's statement. I think it was great that they sent it out. And also the fact that, you know, lost in all this and some to some extent was the fact that Benzema also was disrespected by Lagraya. It wasn't just Zidane, right? And so Real Madrid are going to come out and defend their own player. They're obviously not going to emit Zidane from the statement. Uh, the comparison to Vinicius, and this is not my opinion, and actually it's kind of something I think the club and fans should have a little bit of shame and be ashamed about, is that I, quite frankly, I really do believe the Real Madrid should have put out statements to defend Vinicius and they haven't. And whether we like it or not, part of the reason why they didn't in that situation about the journalist monkey comment is because they are friends with Chiringuito. Yeah. And I'm not, that's something I, I, I personally am I'm ashamed about. So. Yeah, or they, or they just don't want to get them uh, angry or, or or whatever, you know. It's I don't think they're as close to El Chiringuito as they were in the past, in the past few few years. But uh, they didn't do it earlier because of respect, uh, too much respect to El Chiringuito and what they can do in terms of uh, campaigning or lobbying against the club if they feel uh, betrayed or whatever. Yeah, I agree. Which, if I was in charge, I'd be like, "Screw this! I would, I would not care at all, and let them go at the club as much as they want publicly. Let them go, let them yeah. just do it. Let them keep exposing themselves. Uh, uh, to me, that's a good thing. They just, they just have a huge agenda uh, against the club after that. It's just a way to expose them. Now, un- uh, unless maybe there's certain secrets that they don't want to get out, and that's why they're friends with them." <laughs> In which case, you know, uh, but either way, it's not something I'm proud of. I think they should have defended Vinicius. Yeah. Varun Sharingan says, hey, Kian Lucas, I hope you guys are doing fine in the midst of our post-World Cup soccer ball. Time to change gears with some more hard-hitting questions for Lucas. One, and I'm doing my best here, Lucas, to say this, to read this, because I don't know what the hell this is about. One, best Shippuden theme. <laughs> And why is it Aoi, Aoi, Anosora? <laughs> Number two, what's your favorite Uchiha? Okay. Good. Number one, I don't have, yeah, I'm a big Naruto fan, not, not that big of a Shippuden fan here. So I don't know a specific names of songs in, in Naruto Shippuden. I did like the, the sad song. I don't know the, the title of it. Of the of the first Naruto season, the installment of of Naruto when they were younger, about Shippuden, I I really stopped following the show uh, until the very end uh, or the very last season. So 
Uh, I just uh, lost for words about uh, when asked about the, the the music specifically. Number two, yeah, my my favorite to see how you have to agree with. I have to agree with you, and uh, it will have to be Itachi as well. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I my my only and and this is anime, right? Yeah, yeah, it's Naruto. Yeah. Okay. Anime, my yeah. only anime consumption was. When I was a kid, I, I used to watch Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite movies is actually Princess Mononoke. I really like it. Oh, that it's movie. great. Yeah, great. It's Mononoke is great. Yeah. Chihiro is also good, but I, I'm, and even Chihiro is like considered the best of the two. But my favorite is also Mononoke. Yeah, it's, it's a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Alvarez says, Hey guys, hope all is good. My question revolves around the hit that Militao took yesterday. To me, as soon as I saw the replay and saw the ball struck him on the side of the face slash head, I was almost certain that he had a concussion. It was irresponsible for them to let him back in. There has been a lot of controversy over concussions over the past decade on how they are handled, at least over here in the U.S. with American football. I was bewildered that the medical staff let him go back in so soon after taking a hit like that. In the NFL, at every game, there is an in, uh, independent doctor, one on the field and one up in the skybox whom is hired by the NFL and not the teams to determine if a player on either has a concussion or on any given play. And if they even suspect they do, they stop the game, remove the player, examine, determine if they can continue, and they usually don't. I understand that the two sports are very different in physicality, but players do use their heads a lot in the sport. Do you think they should adopt something like having an independent doctor at all games? Sorry for the long question. Words just keep coming. No worries, Brandon. That's a good question. I get the point, but I don't think it's that big of an issue here in, in football and soccer. Like I get that it needs to be treated better. So in order to avoid big things from happening, that's for sure. But we are not seeing this on a, on, a, on a weekly basis like it happens in American football. So that something needs to be done to, 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 to address it. I just don't think it's that frequent or that common for, for La Liga or UEFA or even FIFA to address it right now and place independent doctors and all that. I just maybe when a similar case like this happens, in my opinion, right now, a good way to, to tackle it would be the, the referee to ex have a quick, obviously the referee is not a doctor, but the referee having a bit of knowledge about symptoms and all that so that he could take a look at the player and decide whether or not he's fit to continue. Because I, right now, I think uh, placing independent doctors to tackle this issue with would be a little bit of a noble reaction considering how how rare these cases are in in football right now okay so i i'll i'll disagree with you there i think it's a good idea um now there are obviously teams have their own doctors and stuff but i don't hate the idea of having uh a doctor on the field that is neutral and is hired by the league to just be there as a, as a third opinion or a second opinion. I don't think Militao should have been allowed to continue last night. 
Because because yeah. the way I see it, you're either sure he has a concussion or you're unsure. And if you're unsure, that means yeah. you're sure he has a concussion, in my opinion. That that's the what it should mean. If there is 99% where, where they're like, okay, let's let him continue and then assess, to me, that is he has a concussion, he doesn't continue. The only reason he should continue is if you're 100,000 million percent sure that he is okay to play. If it's even a hint of, let's see how he does in the next few minutes, that means he should not continue, in my opinion. Um, I also do wonder where the sport is headed when it comes to head injuries, even 10 years from now, because there are a lot of studies that don't really get talked about publicly that even heading the ball is really bad for the brain. Yeah. It's yeah. like, maybe not if you're doing it once in your life, you're playing pickup, but there are studies now that have tracked players brains after a career of headers. It's not good. And I actually wonder what the future of sport is because of that reasons. If we're going to look at it as, I, I don't know, because it's not a sport where you can put a helmet on. It's not. No. Nah. You can't. <laughs> and so I, I wonder what it what it means for the future of the sport, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tricky question to tackle because obviously it's such an important part of the game that you just cannot get rid of uh, without uh, giving it a, a second thought, you know, and, and try to find a better way to to do it and a safer way to do it. But uh, yeah, I, I was familiar with the studies you're mentioning, and it's a it's a tricky one for for the authorities and the, and the, and the, and the representatives to take a look at and and try to solve. It won't it won't be easy. Yeah, and it's it's one of those things, Lucas. Like I always grew up thinking, man, like when I have a kid, I'm gonna train that guy. I'm gonna put him in academies. He's gonna be a professional, whatever footballer. Ideally, obviously. The more I research this stuff, the more I even read about not only football, but just something like we're not really built as humans to do the physical exertion of the elite contact sports that we do. It's actually not good for our bodies. I now I want I want my kids to be really, really active in sports because I believe that that it trains so many other aspects of your life, what the camaraderie. Um, physical uh mobility there's a lot of benefits to sports but it's also there's also not necessarily at this kind of level is is like if my son came to me basically was like hey i don't want to be a professional sports player i'm kind of like relieved i'm like okay great it's fine <laughs> just be a normal healthy person and, and and don't don't have shattered bones and shattered skulls and all this stuff that's cool cool with it yeah the elite the elite part of any sport really is uh is the the threshold when it becomes uh unhealthy for pretty much uh, everyone i mean the, the marathon runners the tour de france uh, cyclists the those sports who are pretty much harmless and, and even healthy when everyone uh, practice them on a weekly basis and with normal workout routines become unhealthy when you try to take them to the, to the elite level. Obviously, it's not healthy to, to ride a Tour de France for 21 days straight 
it's not it's, it's not healthy to run a marathon on an elite level for the stress that it puts uh, to yeah. your body and, and to your bones. So as soon as the sport becomes uh, or as the sportsman becomes elite, it loses the the healthy factor of it. That's that's one hundred percent. I'm struggling thinking of a sport who stays which stays healthy, even in on a on an elite uh, aspect of, of the of the sport. I I don't think I can think of one. Chess. Yeah. Well, sure. <laughs> it's good for your brain. You don't break any bones. I I think like. Um, yours like even the marathon like yeah that, that kind of cardio was a big myth too i think and that has over time starting to be debunked now that that kind of cardio was good for you you see people killing themselves in the treadmill or the elliptical running long distances and we're not like we're, we're hunter gatherers we're, we're meant to move slower we're meant to do cardio but not killing ourselves on a treadmill or running for an hour like no, none of our ancestors did that we, we were meant to uh-huh. do walk walking is like that's the kind of cardio we're kind of meant to do or some explosive movements. Right. But to, yeah. to, to not jog for three for hours an hour is insane. Yeah. It's, it's no, for, for an hour could be for an hour could be fine, but, uh, you know, an average, uh, runner, an amateur, uh, runner doesn't finish a marathon, uh, earlier than, than three hours. And that's definitely something you're not built for. So, and you can take a look at, at the, the marathon, the elite marathon runners body, I don't think that's the look of a healthy body either. So those guys are obviously in great shape, but I don't know if they w- will be healthier than a regular uh, r- runner by the end of 65 or by the age of 65 or 70 years old. So uh, I think that as soon as you try to become elite in your in any given sport, you lose the, the healthy side of it. 